Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you in the house of the Lord on this fine spring day. There's no other place that I would rather be, except for maybe the beach. But it is good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad that God is inhabits the praises of His people. Amen? And we can sense, we can feel His Holy Spirit. And it draws us close to Him. The Bible says to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That's God's heart for His people. He wants to be near us, doesn't He? He wants us close. He doesn't want to be far away and but he'll be as near as we will allow him to be. Amen. Amen. And sometimes it's hard for us to let those inhibitions, if you will, go while we're worshiping. And, and so we come and we stand there and we're sometimes like this. You know, not not necessarily meaning to do anything, just we're kind of standing there like this, and we're just kind of singing along. Or we got our hands in our pockets, you know. And we're just kind of standing there on the sidelines, if you will. But there is a place that we can go where we are totally surrendered. In our arms our hands are lifted in worship and submission to the Lord. Would you just join me there? Let's just lift our hands. And we're just submitted to Him in worship because of the greatness of who He is. Not because of the greatness of the song, not because of the person standing next to you or not because of the building or not because of any of these other things. But because of the greatness of the I am. The I am. The God Almighty is in the presence of His people. And so we are immersed we, ju- we are just immersed. It's as if we're being baptized all over again. And we're just being taken down and that water is just enveloping us. And the Holy Spirit washes over us and the Holy Spirit moves among us. God is living and He's active in the lives of people, of those who believe. God wants to be involved in your life. God wants to be involved in your finances. God wants to be involved in your family. God wants to be involved in the person you marry or married. God wants to be involved in every area of your life, if you will allow him to be. And when God is able to be involved in every area of your life, every area of your life that you allow God involved in, he blesses it. He blesses it. So I challenge you, 
allow God into every area of your life and allow him to bless that. Allow the light of his holiness to shine in all of those areas. Sometimes we, we want to keep some of those areas to ourselves, don't we? We, we kind of want to hide them from God in a little closet, if you will, or we keep them in this black box where nobody's able to enter, only we know about it. Well, God knows about it. God knows about it. Okay? And if we choose to keep that, whatever it is, locked inside of that black box, then that area of our lives that we refuse to allow God into will always remain. Always. And maybe even the roots of whatever it is that we're keeping from God will begin to grow. And that little thing becomes monstrous. Have you ever seen Spider-Man? And I can't remember which one it is, but it's got this black thing that kind of creeps around. You know what I'm talking about? I I can't remember what it was, but Spider-Man 2 maybe or whatever. Um, But it's got this, this... evil that kind of creeps and it takes him over and he becomes something that he did not want to be and that's kind of the way it is we allow that small little thing and it was just a little small thing when it first started in spider-man wasn't it and we just allow that little thing to just remain there we just ah, shove it under the rug right nobody sees it well that little thing begins to take root and pretty soon, it's climbing up all over us. And it's getting its claws wrapped around the purity of what's inside of us. And pretty soon, it just consumes us. And we become what that little thing is that we kept from God. I challenge you today, allow the light of God's holiness to shine in all areas of your lives. And allow God to fix what needs fixing. And allow Him to breathe the air that you're breathing. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's our Lord and our Savior. Hallelujah. God wants to be involved in your life, folks. He wants to bless you. He wants to love you. He wants to fulfill you. God wants to fulfill your life. Have you ever felt in your lives like there's something that just, you're just walking around and you're just surviving. You're just making it from one day to the next. That's not God's will for your life. You know that? That's not God's will that you're just barely surviving. It's not God's will that you're just struggling to make it to the next day. That sounds a lot like depression to me. Have you ever been in a place of depression where even the good things seem bad for some reason and you're just stuck in this hole in the ground and even when the sun shines, the clouds block out the sun. Have you ever been in a place like that in your life? That's not God's will for you. 
That's not God's will for you. We are more than conquerors through Christ our Lord. More than conquerors. Conquerors are somebody that, that wins the battle, right? God says we are more than that through Christ. You see, we have the keys. <laughs> we have the keys to victory. We've got the keys. And yet sometimes we choose not to use them. God wants the very best for us. The very best for his children. I challenge you. Open up your lives to the Lord. Every area of your life. Open it right up to God. And allow him access to it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Preaching a couple sermons today. <laughs> We've been studying in Revelation. Have you been gathering things from, Revel- from our study of Revelation? Have you been able to take things to heart? And to- Is it helping to shape your understanding of Revelation? And maybe even the areas where these things will take place as we look at maps from time to time? I, I hope that it is. Um, again, it's not an easy study. But it's a study that's necessary. Do you agree? It's a study that's necessary. Because you know what? If we don't know, if we're not aware of what God says is going to happen, then we're going to be caught off guard. Okay? We need to, we've talked about this before, we need to be on God's calendar, God's time clock. Because if we don't know this stuff, then how are we to be on his schedule? We're going to be caught on our own schedule, which is contrary to God's. Right? And the Bible says that my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So are my ways higher than your ways, declares the Lord. God doesn't necessarily think like we think. You see, he sees the big picture. He sees from the beginning to the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He sees it all. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 6? We were, we were talking about... Um, <clears throat> The seven seals, and we got partway through them, and I just want to revisit some of them, and then we'll continue on from there. And I want to start in chapter 6, verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say, in a voice like thunder, Come. You remember the big voice? Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse, and its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as conqueror bent on conquest. This is the first seal. Okay. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. 
Now, we, we have some graphics that we're kind of going along with here, and that will help you to maybe just get a picture in your mind's eye. And they're not necessarily completely accurate, but it, it'll give you a, a rough idea as, as we look through these things. Um, when the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. So we've got a white horse, a fiery red horse, and now a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice from among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. The third seal. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, in my studies, I've also heard that pale can represent green. So in your studies, if you take this home and you study it, that may be something to, um, to join into your uh, digging here a little bit. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Sometimes you just wish that you could just overlook things, don't you? You just wish that I didn't have to hear that because it makes it sound like you got to get your armor on, doesn't it? Really, we're being honest here, all right? But the sovereign Lord is hearing their cries, if you notice. And he tells them to wait a little while longer. Verse 12, I watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. Great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth, as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So these are things that are going to be happening in the earth itself. Earthquakes and the skies and the sun is turned black and the moon turned blood red and the stars will be falling from the skies. It says the sky will recede like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. 
Then the kings of the earth, in verse 15, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. So they're trying to save themselves, protect themselves. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Now, you may have heard before of the 144,000, the 144,000 that are to be sealed with God's seal. We're not told what that looks like, but it's going to be something that everyone is going to know that that one or that one or this one or this one belongs to God himself. Some sort of recognition, a sign. After this, chapter 7, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. And there it is. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. And he said to them, Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So those who are on the side, if you will, of God will receive a seal that represents the servants of God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all of the tribes of Judah. And it lists the tribes. Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Each of the 12 tribes, 12,000 servants who are sealed. Verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Now, do we have a graphic of that? Of the 144,000, if we haven't shown it already? And so all of these people, it may look something like this. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne. And worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? As if he didn't know, right? And I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. 
They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat on them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them. He will provide for them. He will shelter them. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So in all of these things that we're reading that would be unsettling, that are, in a sense, worrisome to hear, God himself is with us through it all. The Bible says, I will never leave you nor what? Forsake you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm not going to take off when the trouble gets heavy. I'm going to be there right alongside of you. Stand firm in the message of revelation. Stand firm. He who stands firm to the end will what? Be saved. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Don't ever give up. Don't ever change your allegiance. Don't compromise. Okay? Don't compromise. I believe there will come a time when, and it has happened in, in numerous times in the past. I was reading last night about some other instances, but when people are expected and forced to convert to other religions. And if they don't, they are either killed or expelled from an area or even a country, as has happened in the past. Okay? And I believe that this will happen again in the future. I believe that people will be forced, in a sense, to convert, to compromise to this one world religion. All right, and we're going to be learning about a false prophet that will appear, all right, and, um, and we'll be kind of arm in arm, if you will, with the Antichrist, okay? And we as Christians, as believers, need to make up our minds before these things happen. In the world that we live in, it's really hard for us to picture this stuff going on, you know? It's hard for us to picture that. I, I, it's really difficult, you know? And as, as we read through history, it's like, how did people allow that to happen? How did people allow Hitler to come to the power that he did? How did they do it? Well, the timing was right, and that's how it happened. And people wanted peace. And so in a sense, to attain peace, people are willing to give up everything. Or they are forced to give up everything. Okay? So between the two, these things are probably going to happen. Okay? So we need to make sure as believers, we need to make sure that we are not compromising and that we know, frankly, that we know the Word of God. We have to know the Word of God. 
The word of God is our sustenance. It's what we need to survive. If we, we can go without food for a while before our bodies begin to deteriorate. We can go without water for what, three days at the most? And it affects us hugely, okay? Without the word of God, our sustenance, we are able to be swayed by the winds of doctrine that blow. Do you understand what I'm saying here? And you may hear, and I've, I've heard this more and more lately, that we all serve the same God, right? And they're, they just kind of take that for granted, like everybody gets that. We don't serve the same God. If we did serve the same God, they would all say the same thing, would they not? Well, they don't. They don't. So if, if all of the, the religions served the same God, then the words of their religion would all be the same. And they are not all the same. They're not the same at all. Okay? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And in John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? The truth will set you free. Well, what is the truth? What is the truth? It's the word of God that speaks, that speaks to your heart, that speaks to your spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and confirms what the word of God says. If we don't know the word of God, then we are able to be swayed, we are weak, and we are without sustenance, what we need to survive. If we went, some of us are familiar with fasting, all right? Some of you, you'll fast a day, you'll fast a meal, some of you fast three days, some of you fast a week or more. That's tough to do. That's tough to do. But I challenge you, it's worth it. It's worth it. Why is it worth it? Because it weeds out all the other crap that's going on in your life and you're focused on Christ. Every time you feel that hunger pain, you're like, God, and you're praying. And that's the idea. That's the idea. Because fasting causes pain. It's uncomfortable. We want that food. Every time we smell it, ooh, we just want it so bad. And, and we feel those hunger pains and it reminds us how of how hungry we are. And we depend on God in those times of fasting to get us through. We want God to know we're serious about what we're praying about. Amen? The Word of God is vital in the life of the believer. It's hard to believe this, but there may come a day when this thing's illegal. This may be illegal someday in America. What? America. Our founding fathers, Christian men. The Bible? Wow. The seventh seal, chapter 8, verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence. In heaven for about half an hour. 
And I saw the angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and he hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, the love of many, or most, will wax cold. And I wonder if that is a direct result of how difficult things may be at that time. That it's too risky to be a Christian. I'm going to give in. I'm just going to compromise just so that I can live, so that my family, so that I can have a business. I'm going to take this mark, though I'm not going to give up my faith. I'm going to keep my faith, but I'm going to take this mark just so that I can live. And therein lies the compromise. Okay? But if you take this mark that's talked about, then you will not be, you, okay, you will not be able to buy or sell without this mark. All right? But those who take this mark are binding themselves together with Satan himself, with the Antichrist. Okay? And you may be wondering, why are we talking about all of these things? Why are we talking about this now? What's the purpose of it all? How does this, how does this affect me? And these are all really, really good questions. And, and, you know, it's tough to put your finger on things, but I hope that you can all see when you watch the news and, we, and when you watch what's going on over in the Middle East, how different nations are aligning themselves together against who? Israel. So we need to be taking notice of all of these things. You remember the signs that we talked about? The signs of the times. And we made a list. Do you remember that? A list of signs that we're watching, just like you see alongside the road, that tell us where you are, tell, tell us where we're going. These things will come. And so how are we to respond as believers? How do we respond to these things? And the answer stays the same no matter what angle you look at it from. Our response is to make sure that we are watching for the return of Christ, right? You remember uh, the virgins, right? And their oil and how they were to be watching for the groom to come, right? Some were ready, some were not. We want to be ready. How are, we, how are we to be ready? What does that mean to be ready? Well, we have prepared ourselves in that we, are, we have received Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Amen? And we're trusting that what he did on the cross as payment for our sin, right? And so we have confessed that we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he came and he died on a cross and he was buried and he was raised on the third day. And so we confess those things and we profess them. 
We believe them. And so we are saved. So we're watching for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he said in a number of different places that he would, he would return. You remember when he was talking about, in my father's house are many what? Mansions, many rooms, many whatever. I go there to do what? To prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I will what? I will return. I'm going to come and get you to take you to be where I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to take you to be with me. Again, God always wants us. Always wants us to be with him. To be where he is. That's his father's heart. Always. And so we are to watch. We are to prepare ourselves spiritually. Free. We are to be his what? His witnesses. We are to be his witnesses until he returns. Okay? How many Sundays, let me ask you something, and I don't want anybody shouting out answers. How many Sundays pass when you have not asked one person to come to church? I want you to think about it. How long has it been since you have asked someone to come to church? Some of you, it would be zero weeks because you brought somebody today. Other people, it would be quite a long time. Others, maybe a long time. Okay? We are to be his faithful witnesses, pointing people to Jesus. No, that doesn't all happen in the church. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, most of it will happen outside of the church. All right? But what are we doing to get people into the kingdom? Really, what are we doing? I hope that that stings a little bit. It kind of stings me a little bit that I should do more. That I should do more. Who, who have I invited recently? Okay? Who have you invited? We need to think about that. All right? And I don't say that to hurt you. I, I don't say that to... Um, to make you uncomfortable. I'm just saying that we need to do better when it comes to being his faithful witnesses. Do you agree? Can we agree on that? Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Go and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Obey Everything I have commanded you. All right? So people need to be taught because there are so many people in the world today that are so lost, they don't know what's right and what's wrong regarding God. They have obscure understandings of who God is. And it's wrong. And in Timothy, it talks about rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, we know what the word of truth is. Rightly dividing is correcting wrong thinking. Do you understand that? Correcting wrong thinking. That's our job. Because frankly, some of the people on TV are not doing a very good job. Okay? 
That's scary. And they're reaching millions of people. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Spelling darkness, dispelling lies, correcting wrong thinking about God and the word of God. Using right applications, how it applies to us. Okay? Wrong thinking. People judging other people. That's not our job, friends. That's not our job. Jesus even said himself, I am not the judge. But there is a judge that is coming. I am not the judge. Okay? That's not our job. We let that to God. Does God expect certain things? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. The Bible says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But praise God for the blood of Jesus Christ. People need to know that there is hope. People need to know the good news, the gospel, which means good news. People need to hear that stuff. Amen? We're just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you today. We just want to thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. And as it says in your word, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord. You show us where, which way to go. You show us when things are in our way that are going to trip us up. You show us how to go. We pray that, Lord Jesus, as believers, as followers, that you would help us to follow you, that you would help us to stand up when others would only sit down. Help us to lead, God, when others will only follow. Help us to speak the truth when others will speak lies. Though it cost us everything we have, help us, God, to speak the truth in love 